you have to teach music theory, number one. And even if you say, I don't like it, I don't teach it, you actually do because you can't teach mm -hmm. any instrument, including voice, if you're not teaching music theory so you understand the language. Glory St. Germain talks to us about how to teach music theory in groups, which not only benefit your students' knowledge of music and how to apply it to their instruments, of course, but also gives you more income. This is a very dense episode in a good way because there's a lot of information, tips on how to do it, fostering a community, how to teach in groups, how to assess students and put together the groups, the curriculum. We talk about using imagination and composition and exploring things. We talk about um, the ultimate music theory curriculum and how they have a free training to get teachers started. There's a lot going on. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Piano Sensei Way. I'm Clinton Pratt, your host, and I'm here to help you master the art of running a successful piano teaching studio. I'm excited to have Glory St. Germain with us today. We're going to talk about music theory and other things related to that, I'm sure. So Glory, thanks for being here and briefly just tell us where you are and what you do. Absolutely. Uh, it's an honor to be here, Clinton. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me to your podcast. Uh, so my name is Glory St. Germain. I am the CEO and founder of Ultimate Music Theory. Uh, I'm an author. I've written over 60 books in music theory education with five international bestsellers in The Power of Why, Musicians, uh, book series, and the creator of the Ultimate Music Theory Certification elite educator program for music educators around the world. And uh, I'm really so grateful to be here today and to be able to share a few tips and tricks for music educators who are passionate about teaching music theory and growing their business. Excellent. That was an amazing bio or resume. <laughs> um, and where are you in the world that's a good question, depending on the month. <laughs> but um, I am based in Manitoba, Canada, and uh, I love to travel. And so, of course, uh, I have uh, kids that live all over the U.S. and Canada. So, uh, yeah, we like to hang out and get to go visit with the family and, of course, participate in a lot of the events and music educators conferences as well. So we have a lot of fun. Okay, great. And do you have a studio right now like you're teaching students as well or are you just teaching no, teachers um, yes uh, so we have a team of 14 people and we teach music teachers how to grow their business to productivity and profitability so they can easily run a music teaching business and scale to six figures uh, we do a lot of uh, workshops we have a lot of free trainings in fact if you'd like the teaching success formula you can simply go to myumt.com. So myumt.com. It's a free masterclass training and you can learn all about the teaching success formula in how you can grow a six-figure business music, being a music educator. And the thing about teaching music theory, Clinton, is that it doesn't matter if you're teaching violin, uh, if you're teaching piano, voice, whatever instrument it might be, you always need music theory. It is the universal language. And 
you know, when we look at musicians that collaborate with other artists from around the world, they need to all speak the same language, so to speak, when they get into collaboration or just sitting in on a set and being able to read a lead sheet. Uh, so we really provide a high caliber of music education, not only for music teachers business, but also in the realm of music education through music theory. Okay, great. So tell us a little bit about your musical upbringing, maybe. So like, did you take lessons as a child? What instruments did you learn music theory as, as, as a young child? Or tell us about that. Sure. Well, I grew up in, uh, fortunately, I was blessed to grow up in a musical family. Uh, my father was a multi-instrumentalist and my mother as well. And I started music lessons when I was about six years old. And 10 years later, I opened my doors for business. And I've been a, a music educator and business entrepreneur since the age of 16. And for us at home, it was kind of like brushing your teeth. You just do it every day and it wasn't an option. And for me, you know, and it's interesting because we're music educators, but for me, my music teacher, who I love dearly, uh, but she wasn't very confident in teaching music theory. And therefore, I didn't do very well in learning the language of music theory. And I really felt that it held me back. And subsequently, as I started teaching, I wasn't very good at teaching music theory either. And so I sent my students to other teachers that I thought would be doing a better job for them. And it came to the point, Clinton, where I realized A or B, either A, you better learn this, or B, you're going to start losing your clients, your customers, which of course are your students. So it was then that I decided to take matters into my own hands. And I found a teacher who was a great teacher at music theory, uh, took all of the training, achieved my ARCT, which is the associate from the Royal Conservatory of Music as a teacher. And then I realized that, you know, I could make more money if I was teaching group theory club classes. And that's really when my business grew to six figures. And I realized that if I could do this, anyone could do it. And that's when I created the Ultimate Music Theory Certification course so I could share this knowledge. And I also became an NLP practitioner, which is neuro-linguistic programming, so that other teachers could say, oh, okay, so I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who doesn't feel confident in teaching music theory. And, you know, I thought it was boring, boring, boring. And I realized that there are certain things you can do that actually make learning music theory fun to learn and make it easy to teach. So yeah, that was my upbringing sort of from, from zero to hero in the world of music theory. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's interesting too. And I think it's sort of common where somebody who maybe doesn't have experience or it, or something in a certain area that ends up being their forte, you know, like for me, I'm a big improv guy, um, but I was never really taught that. I just sort of liked to doodle and figure it out. But then once I started teaching, you know, I was like, I want other people to do this too. How do I do, you know? And so then that curiosity and everything led me to where, you know, I am good at teaching improv and I teach other teachers how to teach improv. So I think that's really interesting. I think it is a wonderful transition when I think when we struggle with something, you know, you have two choices, which is you either learn 
or you're just not going to go in that direction. And just as you said, Clinton, when you realize that, you know, there's a little bit of passion there for you to do improv and, and simply by embracing that and then learning from experts, I am a big proponent of, of coaching. I am a music teacher's business coach, but I also have three coaches in my business that also, you know, when you're running a profitable and, and growing business, you need to expand those skill sets. And whether you're doing improv or whether you're teaching music theory or whether you want to grow a music teaching business, you need to have a coach. And it's what I, one of my favorite things to do is in our community, we do weekly coaching calls and just to see the success stories and the eyes light up. And we always start with our weekly wins and teachers raising their hand and saying, oh my gosh, I just launched my seventh seventh music theory club class and you know now i've increased my income you know seven times uh it's pretty it's pretty wonderful to celebrate those things yeah so you mentioned a little bit before about the you know benefits of knowing music theory how it you know applies to every instrument and all that but let's talk a little bit more about that you know the benefits or like why why we want to emphasize music theory yes a hundred percent. I mean, here's the interesting thing is, uh, is that I actually have, I, I guess, three points when we want to talk about music theory. So the first one would be to connect theory to practical. And I think we also always need to emphasize the practical application of music theory, because when we encourage, you know, and in my case, I encourage music teachers to illustrate how theoretical concepts like scales and chords and rhythm uh, directly influence music uh, that their students love. And even when you're talking, Clinton, about jazz improvisation, if you don't know anything about music theory, you're going to be a little bit more struggling when, when for someone that actually knows how to do it. And for example, when you're analyzing a popular songs, you know, chord progression, it can make music theory more relatable and it's more exciting. And this approach, I think it really deepens your understanding, but it also sparks um, creativity, right? If you wanna start composing and as students apply these concepts to their own compositions and their performances, they start to feel more confident as well. Um, I guess my second tip is to celebrate small wins. You know, learning music theory can sometimes feel, as we've already said, overwhelming to students. And I think it's really vital to break it down, you know, put these cons uh, complex concepts into really manageable chunks and then just celebrate each small victory, because whether it's just mastering, you know, tricky time signatures, figuring that out or understanding key signatures, when we acknowledge um, these achievements, it really boosts confidence and motivation. And one of the big things for me, Clinton, is really to create a purposeful uh, passion for lifelong learning because music is not just, oh, I think I'll sign up for soccer and I'll play for a year or two and then go on and do something else. But we're creating that lifelong bond to the music. And I think this approach really aligns with the philosophy of positive reinforcement and making learning um, more enjoyable and more fulfilling. And probably my third and, and final tip would be to foster a community of learners. I really encourage teachers to build a community where students can share and collaborate and support each other's learning because it's not just about taking your solo piano lessons or you know voice lessons or whatever instrument you're playing 
it's about community. It's about experiencing all of that. And it brings joy into the world. And this can be through group activities, theory games, or online forums, discussions, whatever it might be. But when we engage in that kind of interactive uh, learning environment, and it's also fun, and we can also help other people, fellow students, fellow teachers, of course, you and I are both in a lot of Facebook groups at Clinton. And when we share ideas, it just cultivates a sense of belonging and a shared purpose and passion. So those are my three tips for today. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. And so, yeah, I gather from what you're saying there that, you know, your advice is to teach theory in groups. I think, well, yes. So I guess I'm, I'm going to underline that with a couple things. So number one, you have to teach music theory, number one. And even if you say, I don't like it, I don't teach it, you actually do. Because you can't teach mm-hmm. any instrument, including voice, if you're not teaching music theory so you understand the language. When we first launched our Ultimate Music Theory Club classes, I saw this immense growth in students learning, in creativity, in community. It was a game changer, not only for music teachers as far as productivity and the cooperative learning theory, because you actually learn faster in small groups, but you also make more money. So you're not only productive, but you're also more profitable. And those are some of the things that we outline in our Ultimate Music Teachers membership. And we also provide teachers with all the the tools, marketing materials, and everything that they need, lesson plans, uh, games, and so on. Because learning is about having fun. And the more fun you have learning, the more apt you are to want to continue learning. Because if it's hard, you're like, I don't get it. I don't want to do it. But if you make it easy, and fun as you do when you're teaching improv, it's like, oh, you know, if Clinton can do it, I can do it. It's fun to learn new things. So we need to embrace that. I've often found that music educators, you know, we think, well, I have a music degree and, you know, so many letters after my name. I've been teaching for 40 years, blah, blah, blah. You know what? It means nothing. It doesn't matter how long you've been teaching. What matters is, is that you are NEPD, never ending professional development, that you're open to learning, that you embrace questions, that you listen to learn, not just listen to reply, but really help your students embrace the magic of music so they'll continue to be lifelong learners. And that's really what I'm passionate about, you know, is taking that step because when we start teaching music theory, it makes learning music easier. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's great. What's your advice to teachers who want to do this? Um, maybe maybe they don't have groups yet, you know, so they teach private lessons and then think, okay, actually, this is a good idea. Let me offer theory classes, you know, not only for additional income, but so that we can get all of their theory in. Um, I don't know. We could talk about the logistics, like how do you how do you plan the groups or schedule them or, or even just... Um, curriculum, you know, like what, what do we do in those? So. Right. Well, I think that's a really great question. Really great question, Clinton. So there's a few things. So number one, you're teaching music theory. Okay. And now you're thinking, well, okay, Miss Glory St. Germain, I would like to teach some groups. Where should I get started? So the first thing that I suggest, and we actually have all of this information inside our ultimate music uh, theory teachers membership. If you uh, want to learn more about it, it's just teachumt.com. 
So one of the things that we introduced there are the first thing that you want to do is look at your schedule. You want to make sure that this is going to work for you. When is it convenient for you to teach a group? The next thing that you want to do is do an assessment. So I've had multiple students come to me from other teachers and they, it doesn't matter what age they are. What matters is what is their, their abilities and what is their skill set and knowledge level. So the first thing I suggest is that you do an assessment exam and we provide you all of these tools inside our program. So you can simply take the assessment exam, give it to your student. We also provide you with the answer pages. And so if your student is done doing fairly well in the prep one level, then maybe they're ready to go into your prep two level class. And if they kind of failed miserably at that one <laughs> prep one exam, then that's the level they should go into. So it's not really about the age of the student, but it's about the level. I would suggest if you've never taught Theory Club classes before and you're a little bit nervous about it, that you definitely check out our free training. It is at uh, myumt.com. It's free training so that you can get the teaching success formula so you know where to start and just go through it at your own tempo whenever it's convenient for you. Um, you'll have instant access to the, to the resource. Uh, one of the things that I found too is that we talked a little bit about building community. And even when you're teaching, and if you just start off with putting two or three or four kids in your theory club class, you will soon learn that this fosters much faster learning. And that's called the cooperative learning theory. And it's actually five disciplines that are all improved when we learn in small groups. And it's also a time saver. I know for me, Clinton, I don't know about you, but when you repeat the same thing like a hundred times, you may as well just say it once and have, you know, six kids in the class. So um, I guess the last thing I wanted to mention is that when you're teaching theory club classes, it's something that is easily taught um, on a Zoom platform and is easily taught online. Many of our um, Ultimate Music Theory certified teachers have students in multiple countries and they teach them all at the same time. They teach them all online. They're all going through the Ultimate Music Theory program, whether it is Prep 1, Prep 2, Basic, Intermediate, or Advanced. Um, and it really is an important tool for teachers to at least explore, right? If you're open to learning new things, I would say just try it. You'll never know how much fun you might have teaching groups. Do you want to connect with other teachers in person? Do you want to learn new teaching strategies? and explore outside-the-box approaches? Join us at the Creative Teaching Conference, a radical retreat to recharge and reinvigorate your teaching. This unique conference was started by me and my two friends and colleagues, Christopher Oyle and Tony Parlapiano, back in the summer of 2022. All three of us had so many ideas we wanted to share, but instead of trying to get selected for an MTNA or NCKP conference, we created our own event. We each present a few workshops, but we also have guest presenters as well. Topics include improvisation, composition, student-led learning. You'll experience inspiring workshops on creative teaching strategies and creative performance ideas. Learn about different ways to structure lessons, such as online groups, memberships, and subscription models. We eat meals together and plan social time so you can connect with teachers from all over the country, forming new musical friendships that will last a lifetime. Mark your calendars for July 7 to 9, 2024 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Check out creativeteachingconference.com for more info. 
how do you or how did you convince, you know, clients or parents, hey, you've been coming for weekly private lessons. Yes. Now you also need to come to a group because yes. because the theory is going to be helpful and it'll be fun and all of this. How do you how do you do that? How do you sell that? Yes. You know, that's a really great question again, Clinton. One of the things that I realized is that I wanted to help my students really be committed to practicing their craft. And what happens is when students don't practice or there's no motivation behind it, they tend to kind of fall behind. And when I started offering my theory club classes, it wasn't me selling it. It was me presenting the offer that showed not only how much fun they were going to have in theory club class, but how it would help them in their musicianship skills. And what I did is I first offered a six-week camp. So it was a try-it camp. What have you got to lose? You're going to sign up for six weeks. And I also told them that if they wanted to, they could bring a friend. So Clinton, I'm sure you've got a friend who might not be playing the piano. They might be a trumpet player. They might be a singer. And as long as they want to come to theory club class, obviously they have to enroll in the program, but it's six weeks. And when I launched that, I actually reached out to my parents initially and said, hey, you know, I would call the parent Clinton. I'd say, hey, Clinton, you know, your daughter has graduated. She is doing so well in music that I would love to invite her to a theory club camp. So this is going to be separate from her private lesson. And the parents were like, oh, that's cool. Six weeks. Sure. Let's give it a try. And once they come into the program, they go, this is so much fun. I'm learning so much. But what happens is when you're in a small group, there's a little bit of competition. You know, you want to make sure that you're doing your homework, you're showing up and all these other things. And I think the more that I presented that offer, the more people were interested in attending. The other thing I did, Clinton, is I went to my local high school. Uh, there's a high school right behind me. And I spoke to the band teacher and I said, hi, I'm Laurie St. Germain. I'm teaching theory club classes. If you have any, you know, students or band members that you think would be interested. And he said, oh, glory. Whew, here you go. And he was more than happy to, he asked me, he said, please teach these, these students music theory, because he said half of them are here just to learn six songs so we can play at the band concert, but they don't really understand the language and they have so many holes in their learning. So I landed up teaching theory club classes to students that were not my piano students. They came from other teachers, they came from band programs, and the world is your oyster. You know, once you start offering your services and you know, the more I was teaching, the more I was learning about neurolinguistic programming, learning about the cooperative learning theory, learning how to communicate more effectively in learning styles, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, how to connect with a group. You know, if you've always taught one-on-one -on -one private, you might be a little nervous about teaching a group because there's a lot of different personalities, learning styles, learning abilities. And so that's what we actually present in our program so that you can teach those with confidence and not be nervous about even getting started. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Some teachers might not have even thought of the fact that, you know, your potential students or clients are not even your own, right? So exactly. yeah. students of other teachers who they don't want to teach theory or can't, or students in schools that are, you know, taking band. I was in band. I played trombone, um, but I didn't take lessons on the instrument. You know, I just, we had band every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of those students, they don't have the lessons. They just play in band and, you know, how much more helpful it would be if they 
they had the theory. Now, you when know, you, I want, to, I want to address what you just said, Clinton, because that's really brilliant. What you just said, you said I had band class every day or every second day. And when you asked me about how do parents feel about coming twice a week, once for their piano and once for their theory. And, you know, those that are involved in sports and many young kids are, and so they should be because we should all be physically active, but they don't just show up for the game. They have to show up for practice. Mm -hmm. And the same applies when I was really growing my music teaching business. And for me at that time, when I could see the growth and the incredible, you know, students wanted to compose, they wanted to do what you said, Clinton, improvisation, they were just on fire. And at that point, I made a decision in my business. And that was this, that when you come into my program, you are taking music theory club class and you are taking private piano with me. That was my criteria. And if that is not what you wanted, then I would say I'd be more than happy to help you find another teacher because that's what I do. That's like someone coming to you, Clinton, and saying, well, I'm going to come to lessons, but I'm not going to practice. You'd say, well, why are you here? Mm -hmm. um, let me help you find another teacher because that's not how my studio rolls, right? So I think you need to put down a criteria. And there's always exceptions to the rule. Um, if a student says, so I really want to learn music theory, but I just like, I can't come. My mom can't get me here or whatever the excuse is. Of course, you're going to take them and teach them privately. That's, that's kind of goes without saying. But for the most part, um, that was my criteria. And the same goes if you're signing up for dance class. Many dance studios do tap and ballet. That's what they do. You have to take both. Some of them don't require that, but many do. And the reason is, is because you learn faster when you learn differently. And so I think it's really important to at least explore the idea of putting together. And even if you did a six week camp, uh, you know, you have now made five times more money per hour teaching a one hour group than teaching five separate hours. That's big. Yeah. And when, when you say the six week camp, is that once a week for six weeks? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, and here's the interesting thing. I usually start off the theory club camp is once a week for six weeks. If you are running a theory club camp and you want to do it over the summer, you might have them come twice a week uh, for three weeks. Right. Or if you really wanted mm -hmm. to do it, you could do six days in a row if you're running a camp. Uh, but for the most part, running a six week camp, for one hour per week for six weeks. And many of the teachers in our program, they use our lesson plans. So now you've used only the first six weeks. And then when you get to about week five, you can say to the parents, by the way, you know, I'm going to continue on. I know we're wrapping up week number six, but you already have your ultimate music theory workbooks. You know, your, your child is already involved in the, in the program and getting along well with all the other kids of the class. We are going to be continuing. So if you'd like to now come into our year long program, you know, this is our fee and I'd love to just, you know, get you signed up for the, for the rest of the year. And usually the parents are like, oh yeah, of course, you know, that's a no brainer. We love it. So it just is a way to introduce the concept to the parents. Yeah. No, that's and great. I think one other thing we shouldn't forget about, and that's adult classes. One of our lead educators um, is a choir director and she came into our lead educator program, our ultimate music theory certification, a lead educator program. And she said, Gloria, I'm just dying to teach my theory club classes. So she said, I went into a choir practice and she said, I was hoping like, you know, four people would 
sign up. She had 30 people in the choir. So she presented the offer and said, hey, everyone, I know choir practice starts at seven. Those of you that that are open to it, I'm going to be teaching a theory club class. I'm going to do prep one rudiments. It's just the beginner stages. But all of you need to learn music. You need to learn music theory. You don't know harmony. You don't know time signatures, key signatures, dynamics. I'm singing everything. We're learning by rote. And I would love to empower you as a vocalist to just be able to understand musical elements. So here's my, you know, registration form. And she thought four people would show up, maybe six if she was lucky. And she kind of called me frantically, Clinton, because she said, Glory, I need to order 30 prep one books. They all put up their hand and said, yeah, let's do this. It'll be great. So you can imagine how excited she was. And she's still teaching theory. And she started off with a six-week camp. And now they just Mm -hmm. rolled it into part of what they do every week. So she's very successful at what she does. And she's having a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I wonder if you could give us um, a few examples of some activities um, for theory groups, you know, because teachers might just be thinking, okay, we're all gonna fill out the circle of fifths together or something, you know, I don't know. Right. Um, I'm glad you asked that. So inside uh, the Ultimate Music Theory lesson plans, we actually have a criteria that follows a very systematic, um, successful layout for a one hour theory club class. So the first thing that you do is you always introduce the new concept. And when you're teaching the new concept, what you want to do then is go through um, the homework that is being assigned, and you're going to do one little snippet of each exercise together in class. And then what we do is we kind of have our implementation time. This is really important, Clinton, because while students are implementing, so they're actually going to do some of the homework in 10 minutes during the class, it's time when you can be marking the previous lesson's homework. But also what happens during that time is you can see who takes a long time, who's really slow with writing in their answers, who's speedy, um, who doesn't read directions, and we all know that happens, who doesn't understand the directions, who is struggling with this, who is super sharp with that. So it is really a time when you can do a bit of assessment, right? The next thing that you want to do is you want to do gamification. And part of our uh, lesson plans always include gamification. The Ultimate Music Theory app correlates to the Ultimate Music Theory workbooks. And you can use the app on your computer. You can use it on your iPhone, on your iPad. But gamification is so important, number one, because it's fun to play a game. But number two, it's because you are proven, um, you know, learning through answering questions, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's fun to have these interactive games. We also have them inside our membership. The next thing that you want to do is do practical. So inside the Ultimate Music Theory workbooks, you're going to see the analysis page. This is why we're learning music theory. And every one of the analysis pages is music that is at that level. So I remember when I was doing music theory and I would be asked to analyze this piece of music that was way above my performance skill set because I was just little. And yet I was supposed to analyze this and, you know, what is the, you know, uh, cadence at this point or what are the dynamics in this measure or whatever the questions were. Mm -hmm. It was a piece that looked really hard that I probably wouldn't be able to sight read. And what we've done is we've put pieces in there for analysis that we want you to be sight reading. So part of the program is incorporating sight reading, ear training, music theory knowledge, gamification, and application. We also have the program that includes ICE. And ICE is Imagine, Compose, 
explore. So we have a, a you know an element of composition that goes into the program as well. So you're using your theory techniques to actually be creative, compose pieces. It doesn't mean you're going to become a composer, your lifelong skill, but at least you've had the opportunity to experience that. And we also have the homework pages. What should I be assigning? So you don't have to kind of make stuff up. But the opportunity for this, Clinton, is that say if you have three prep one classes and one student can't make the Tuesday class, they can come into the Wednesday class and, and it's moving at the same pace. So every class takes on its own personality, as we know, but they're still following the same curriculum and moving at the same pace because it is, you're very right. Like if you've never taught a class before, how do you map that out? Uh, we also mm -hmm. use the ultimate music theory whiteboards. You can kind of see one behind me here. And this is really for engagement and a lot of activities that we use. So like you said, whether you're writing out the circle of fifths and you can do the circle of fifths in one minute, we show you how to do that and understand yeah. it as well. But you're really going to have fun doing it. So when you have a strategic plan that's mapped out for you, that makes teaching the, the class so much easier. Yeah, that's really helpful. Is there any playing of an instrument? in the class or or could you do that you know you might have a piano student and a violin student and so maybe you're not gonna all play the piano or something but would there be any of that involved or how one, does that work yeah 100 clinton i have a big smile on my face right now because when i was teaching my theory club class with the band program and they were actually right here around my uh, in my music studio around my my teaching table here and they brought their instruments and so we would have and it was very cool because we also had um we kind of called it the the olympics the musical olympics so when we were doing the analysis piece and if you're playing the trumpet you might just play the melodic line right and we would analyze you know did you have the right tempo did you have the right dynamics you know things like that next person and then we would also trade off um, you know, four bar phrases, and then we would sometimes play it together. So I maybe have the piano student just go and play the left hand chords and listening to the all kinds of things. This is what prepares them for really becoming musicians and playing at their full potential. Because when you think about any instrument, how much fun is it to play together, right? So just because you're playing the piano doesn't mean you're never going to collaborate or, you know, have someone play guitar with you or things like that. So I think that's a great question. And yes, it's really important to have your students playing. When I want to share one quick thing that we did when we were having this um, Olympic game, each one of my students had their whiteboard and they would kind of hold their whiteboard so no one could see. And as each person was performing, and we usually did like sometimes we do a whole piece, sometimes we do 12 measures, whatever it might be. And the students on a scale, I said six is the lowest and 9.5 is the highest. And we're all going to be adjudicators of the Music Olympics. And here's what was so important. The first time I did it, if Clinton, if you were adjudicating your best friend, you would give him a 9.5 because mm -hmm. he's your best friend. And if there was someone else in the class who, you know, you thought they're not that great, I'll give him a six. Mm -hmm. But what happened is then I would turn over my whiteboard as well. And maybe I gave them an eight. And I would say, here's why dynamics were, were I could hear the dynamics, you know, being um, um, 
altered, you know, between the forte and the piano. The tempo was correct, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't I give them a 9.5? Well, because perhaps they weren't sitting up tall at the piano. They were kind of slouching their attitude. They weren't really engaging me as a performer. We talked about all these elements. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, these young musicians really learned how to listen. They became adjudicators. They realized that there was more to just the notes on the page, but the actual sound and the communication that it brought. And then when we would do our assessment and I would say, well, Clinton, you know, you gave that particular performer a nine. Why didn't you give them a 9.5? And then you might say, well, because the one thing that I noticed was there was a fermata at the end of the music and they just kind of left. And they kind of missed that. But other than that, I really enjoyed the performance. So it was mm -hmm. such an incredible learning experience. And the students actually loved it. And so they would say, oh, are we do are we playing Olympics today? <laughs> you know, because they would realize they would have a chance to shine. And of course, when we got into recital time, then we would take more time of doing the performance and more time uh, on the assessment. So it's learning a lot of things. It's not just about, you know, the music theory, but they would have to look at the music and say, okay, is what I see on the printed page, is that is that what I'm hearing? Is that the right interpretation? Uh, you know, temples and all the rest of that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And that ties to what you were saying before with connecting the theory to the practical, right? So it's yes. not just we're writing a bunch of stuff down, but we're tying it all together. This is what it looks on the page. This is how it sounds. This is how it should sound. sound. You're hearing somebody play it. And then hopefully that helps your own playing as well, right? Because then... Yes you should be listening to yourself while you play too. <laughs> you know, that's actually a great, okay, quick story I have to share. So yeah. one of my students, um, you know, I she was playing, this is at her private lesson. And I said, okay, you know, you're coming up to the theory club class when we have to perform. And that, at that time we were going to be doing like a performance piece. And I said, now it doesn't seem like you're really working on this piece. And she said, oh, I play it much better at home. I said, that's what you always say, that you play it much better. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. Could you please record your performance at home, the one that you say is so perfect, and could you bring that with you to class next week? And then I'll, you know, I'll put it on and I'll hear it here. She mm -hmm. said, oh, okay, sure, I can do that. So she kind of sheepishly came into class the next week and, you know, she handed me her little USB stick so I could put on my computer and I listened to her performance. I said, oh, that's really great. I said, you're right. You do play that much better at home. And she said, well, Miss Gloria, I have a confession to make. I said, okay. She said, I actually practiced so hard this week because she said, every time I recorded myself, I realized that it wasn't very good. So I practiced more and I practiced more and I practiced more. And one of the things I want to share with your listener, mm. listeners, Clinton, is that I really invite you to have your students record themselves mm -hmm. so that they can then listen to themselves play while following the score and doing an analysis to say, oh, yeah, I'm not that good. I've also done videos because sometimes one of my students who will remain nameless, but she used to play everything with her mouth open. Her jaw would just be here and she would just play everything with her mouth open. So I recorded her one day and I just showed her, you know, just on my phone. And I, I said, let's just watch you play. You played really well. Let's just watch. And so she was watching herself and she said, I can't believe it. Do I actually play with my mouth open the whole time? And I said, yes. <laughs> So she said, okay, I'll let, can I do that again? Don't show that to anyone. I'll, I'll close my mouth and try it again. And I said, you know, smiling when you play or being expressive with your body and your facial expression, 
really makes a difference in how the music also comes out in the end. So don't forget to feel it in your heart and feel it in your face and your physiology. And that's when you're really impacting the audience with your performance. Yeah, that's great advice to record yourself. I still do that with myself and I'm always surprised like wow I, I really was kind of playing fast I need to just relax yeah. the tempo and yeah. I thought I was ex- being expressive right there but I gotta exaggerate you know yes. it's not coming through yeah, yeah right yeah we're getting close to wrapping up I wanted to ask can you give us an idea of the with your curriculum the levels you know like how how early or beginning is the first level is it yes. just is it actually you know just brand new beginner and then the highest level, how how high is that level? Yeah, absolutely. So our um, the Ultimate Music Theory program starts with beginner ABC. So beginner ABCs are for your little five, six, and seven-year-olds. Uh, sometimes teachers will put, you know, a seven-year-old in beginner A or even an eight-year-old in beginner A. And again, it depends on their knowledge level or if they're just starting. So you go through beginner ABC. Um, then the next one is prep one. Now, the beauty of our program is that it has many entry levels. So if you have a student who is eight years old and has been taking music for a couple of years, they can go right into prep one rudiments, right? If you have an adult student that has started some music theory, they may go into prep one, or you may just put them right into prep two. If you've had a student, doesn't matter what age they are, but they're you know, basically advanced, but haven't done too much theory, then they can go into the basic rudiments workbook. And if you are using different music theory books and they are kind of beyond the basic rudiment level, but you want to start using the ultimate music theory program and you're going to start them in the intermediate rudiments level, then the intermediate rudiments level lesson number one um, covers everything that was in basic in lesson one. So it's very fast tracked. And then, of course, the the next level is advanced. Uh, We also have the supplemental series, and that includes music history. We have all the free resources, and you're welcome because it took years to develop all of these. So if you go to ultimatemusictheory.com and you click on free resources, with all of the supplemental books, you will see all of the music history videos that correlate to each workbook. And it'll Mm -hmm. say, you know, page seven in level two supplemental workbook, Here's the music that you can listen to, and then you do the analysis, and it covers all the history and everything that you need. So that's a big bonus. And finally, if you are um, got a university student, and a lot of um, music colleges um, use our workbooks as well, the complete music theory workbook is an all-in-one workbook that covers everything from uh, basic all the way through to advanced. So it's very fast-tracked. And if you are looking to purchase the Ultimate Music Theory series, uh, they are available on Amazon. So you can go to amazon.com slash ultimate music theory, and you will see the entire catalog of all 60 plus books. And uh, yeah, and just check them out. Okay, great. So the advanced, how advanced is the advanced? Is that like? Advanced is level eight. Yes. So oh, if okay. you were, if you, so for example, if you were doing uh, the RCM exams, mm-hmm. World Conservatory of Music exams, that would be level eight. Okay. So somebody going into college to study music, they would definitely be fine, be prepared if they've finished advanced. Because even freshman, freshman theory is. Yes. Might and, not even be that level. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that, Clinton, because there's many colleges that actually use the basic rudiments workbook. As 
as their entry level into, mm. into college. So if you want to be ahead of the game, I would definitely say go through the Ultimate Music Theory program if you are looking to really have that skill set. One of the things, and it's, I think, the success story behind our program and why students are scoring over 90% on their exams uh, is because um, every workbook has 12 lessons. At the end of every lesson is a review test. These review tests are comprehensive review tests that are accumulative, which means if you're, for example, in basic rudiments, lesson five, when you get to the review test in lesson five, it is lesson one, two, three, four, and five. Mm -hmm. And every single lesson has an analysis piece and has a sight reading piece. So that's why you're learning music theory and it's building knowledge. It's not just, oh, lesson five, we're gonna learn about rhythm. Lesson six, we're going to learn about, you know, articulation. Lesson, it's always growing and always adding and adding. So that's why you're reviewing all the time. So you're like, well, this is really easy, right? Because you really get it. So, yeah. Well, that was a lot of information, a lot of tips. And I'm sure people listening to this are inspired. Lori, thank you so much. And you gave a, a couple websites already, and I'll put them in the description. But tell us again the website or websites where people can go to find out more. Yeah, absolutely. You can connect with us at ultimatemusictheory.com and you can um, get your free um, teaching success formula masterclass. It, you get instant access to it and you can go to myumt.com uh, to grab that. And we look forward to, and you can also join our Facebook group. So Ultimate Music Teachers on Facebook, we would welcome you into our community. Well, thank you so much. And to everyone, just a reminder to um, go to the website, thepianosenseiway.com, um, and subscribe to new episodes. And remember, we're also on YouTube so that you can see our lovely faces. YouTube is also The Piano Sensei Way. So take care, everybody. Have a great day.